0: Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here, you'll learn about how to grow your building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're dying. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Remember, to get notified about new episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. That way, you won't miss any of our expert guests that we bring on the show. In addition, as a special thank you for being a listener of the podcast, we've got some special bonuses for you. Just go to builderfunnel.com slash podcast. Again, hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop and go to builderfunnel.com slash podcast for your special bonuses. Hey, welcome to episode number 37 of Builder Funnel Radio. In this episode, I sit down with Carol Smith and we talk about customer service and three things to keep an eye out for. One is the warranty process and how critical that is to getting customer referrals for your future business. Two, we talk about customer service as a marketing initiative. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in, oh, we just need to deliver a good product, deliver a good service, but it can actually fuel more marketing and more sales down the down the pipeline. The third thing is walking the talk. And I think a lot of times when you think about customer service, we just wanna say, hey, we need to have good customer service, uh, but we talk about how you actually need to execute and implement that. So, Stay tuned and enjoy episode 37 of Builder Funnel Radio. All right, Carol, glad to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you for inviting me. This is great fun.
0: Yeah, it should be a good time. And uh, you braved the, the elements today. You, had to, <laughs> you were telling me we, we had have. a blizzard here in Colorado yesterday. And. How we got
1: 15 inches out where we live.
0: That's a lot. Man. That's a lot. So uh, we're very honored to have Carol, who made it into the into the studio today for this episode. But today we're going to dive into kind of the world of customer service. Um, but before we do that, I kind of like to get a little bit of the background. You know, so you got into the construction space working for a builder, right?
1: I did. It was uh, actually an accident. I was trained professionally as an English teacher
0: oh, okay. back
1: in <laughs> Ohio and taught uh, English in a vocational high school for four years and fell in love with the mountains of Colorado and moved. Didn't think to check out the English teacher <laughs> positions and ended up working for a home builder. That's awesome. I was with that company almost 14 years.
0: Wow, okay. And so what did you do for that builder over the I actually time
1: did several different things. Uh started out as a property manager, which is an interesting profession. From there I went to being an orientation host. So I did orientations full time for two years. Did over 700 of them. Wow. This means I'm going to heaven no matter what I do the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after that, they asked me to run the warranty department. Did that for about five years. Then I became a construction superintendent. Went into custom home sales from that. And ended up doing mortgages when, you may remember this, rates were 16 and 17%. That's
0: wild, yeah. And it's not uh, a
1: lot of fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a little uh, different today.
1: Exactly. Very different today. A uh A thought occurred to me. I woke up one morning and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer was I didn't want to do mortgages at 16%. (laughs) So I went back to teaching. And what I knew best by then was customer service. So I developed some classes and one thing led to another.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And that's really, I guess, through that time span, that's when you started getting asked to speak a little bit more and more. So um, I guess Talk a little bit about that and how that unfolded. It sounded like it just kind of Again, it was
1: a series of (laughs) accidents. The company I worked for, which was Sanford Homes up in Denver, held an all-company meeting. We had about 240 employees back then. This was going back a ways. We had in-house framers and exterior trim crews. They were our employees. So we had a large group, and I spoke about the warranty department and told a couple of funny stories about customers, got some good laughs. My program lasted all of five minutes. <laughs> and a few months later, NEHB contacted the owner of the company and invited him to speak at Spring Board Meeting about customer service. He said, I don't know what she does back there. I'm going to send her. So Carol got sent to Washington, D.C., <laughs> and then after that one thing led to another and another, and pretty soon I quit my day job and started doing this full-time.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and I know you're really passionate about customer service, and I think it's kind of a broad term, you know, customer service, so maybe you can help us with that. How do you, how do you think about customer service, or how do you kind of define it?
1: I define it as one person doing something for one other person. Could be answering a phone call or a question, looking up a paint color number, or building a house. It could be provided by the receptionist, the warranty manager, the superintendent, or the owner of the company. It's a very broad topic, and it's very complicated.
0: Yeah, it is. And I know you have, is it 54 different one-hour classes on customer service?
1: 54 and growing. (laughs) Uh, I try to approach customer service holistically from the point of sale where we set expectations and get the customer oriented to how we do business. And then as you go through the process, you need to deal with customer communication. The Delivery process is critically important. And, of course, warranty is especially important to gaining referrals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe let's start with setting expectations because I feel like that it's so powerful, right? I mean, you can be down the road into the process a little ways and if somebody thought it was going to go differently, suddenly you've got problems. You know, it
1: doesn't matter how good of a house you build. If you haven't set expectations, you are actually aiming at a target in a dark room with a blindfold on. (laughs) You have got to set expectations. The customer doesn't know how you do business or what's included in the product. So that's where everything begins. And if you get that done well, then your next challenge is actually performing the way you promised.
0: Absolutely. So how do you go about getting that done well? As you said, you know, what are maybe some tips or things that people can keep in mind on the front end to set
1: those expectations? I think one thing is to be fully aware of all the tools you have. Builders have show homes. They have literature. They have brochures from manufacturers. They can do tours of homes under construction. And a critical tool, in my mind, is a well-written, comprehensive homeowner guide that walks mm. the customer through every step of the process with good, well-organized details.
0: I like that. And so that's something that you outline before the sale is made and kind of how, how things will go leading up to the sale and even
1: post-sale? Exactly. A typical homeowner guide, if it's well-written, is about 150 to 200 pages. Wow. And there's a chapter on each of the main phases of the process. The biggest one, of course, is maintenance and warranty after the customer moves in. But if that book is well done and you deliver it to the customer early, they have a fair expectation of understanding what you're doing.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of work. Do you find that, uh, you know, how do you go about compiling this, um, you know, tackling that? and, And how long does that take if you're starting from nothing? If you're
1: starting from nothing, it can take months. Yeah. However, I offer a template for it that is easily customized. It's a Word document. And what I advise builders to do is divide it up, send it to the various departments, so sales gets a piece, selections, construction, and so forth. And each of those teams looks at the content, adjusts it for their particular procedures, and then you put it all together in a nice package and deliver it to the buyer.
0: I like it. so. Let's say you've got this document created, 150, 200 pages, whatever it is. Do you um, do you walk through that in entirety with the customer? Obviously, you, you give it to them, but how often do they read it? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> is it worth the effort?
1: Usually, they're not going to read it any more than you and I have read the dictionary. Sure. <laughs> what they're going to do is turn to it when they have a question. Gotcha. And if they can find the answer that eliminates a phone call to you, keeps them comfortable and trusting what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I mean, that's super powerful because really what people want is that they know they can get the answer. And if they, they want to feel
1: it, fairly treated. Yeah. Yeah. We're dealing with a very different consumer nowadays.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about that. Um, Cause I'm sure you've seen a huge shift in the way consumers operate, you know? And so what have you seen there that kind of stands out?
1: It, it is startling. Um, I always found home buyers to be challenging. And understandably so. The product is important, it's large, it's complicated, it's expensive. And psychologically and emotionally, it has a profound connection to the buyer. So it's understandable they're going to be pretty aggressive and pretty detail-oriented. Now, back in the 08-09 time frame, we had this little thing called a housing recession. And that shifted things dramatically. We're now dealing with a buyer who, for lack of a better term, might be a little paranoid. Is my house gonna hold its value? Will I be able to get my money back out of it? Consequently, they are even more attentive to detail and more aggressive with the builder. They want that little quarter of an inch paint touch up done because that will help the home retain its value.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like um, we're living in kind of an Amazon world. It's, I need something now, and I need it fast, and I need it cheap, and but it's got to be a good quality and, and all those things. All of the and, above. Yeah.
1: And this goes back to, again, setting those expectations, explaining to the customer that we build your home with the help of 35 to 50 trade contractors, and they're all small, independent businesses. So it may take them a few days to get to your house rather than a few seconds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think... You know, recognizing that we have a different consumer can really help you on that path because you'll start uncovering all the things that they want to know or feel like they need to know. And
1: And it's comforting to the builder's employees to recognize the consumer has shifted. People who do a good job, who are true professionals and really care, are very frustrated with the anger they sometimes encounter. But if they know the perspective of this is a consumer who's very aggressive and feels very threatened, you can have a lot more sympathy for them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe let's talk a little bit about who's involved with customer service. Cause I feel like sometimes when you just think of customer service, even outside the industry, you just think of like a call center where people answer questions. <laughs> and obviously that's not the case, but in your mind, what's the best scenario who's involved in that?
1: It actually begins with the salesperson. Uh, they are our front line. They set the tone and they provide guidance. Next, we go to the selection or design studio. And here again, we've got people who need to volunteer to the customer good information about the products they're selecting for their home. Hardwood floor requires different care and attention than tile, and the customer needs to understand all that. Next, we move into the construction phase, and there you've got the superintendent typically contacting the customer with updates about the progress on the home. Occasionally, they'll have a site meeting and tour the home, take a look at the quality, answer questions, and that type of thing. Then in delivery, it's essential we deliver a complete and clean home. And that process is an educational meeting to help the customer understand how to use and care for it. And then you move into warranty, which is a whole other level of complexity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like really you've got to have it baked into the
1: entire process and everybody's going to be on board. You absolutely do. It is a very complicated process, and we have to be a team. We have to talk to each other. Everybody needs to be telling the customer the same message, and we package the message a little differently. At one point, it's a document; at another, it's a tour; at yet another, it's a demonstration of how to how to set the timer on the, the microwave. But. In the end the customer needs consistent accurate information delivered in a friendly forthright package.
0: Yeah absolutely and I'd imagine it's pretty challenging getting all the different departments and everybody on board and on the same team. Wait you got that right. (laughs) I guess how do you how do you go about starting to to tackle that because I'm assuming you know most people have maybe a few touch points that are customer service based but not to the level that you're talking about now and so yeah, how do you get started in getting everybody yeah. kind of on board with this?
1: It's management's responsibility to set the tone. They establish a customer philosophy, and then you have to back that up with actions. You want to make sure those actions are aligned with that philosophy and everybody in the company is trained. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of coaching. And then about once a year you need to review everything and update it because sure. it keeps changing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes sense and I guess I'm kind of curious to just um, from a company perspective, you know, why, why is this such an important investment to make? because I could see a lot of people that are maybe listening to this going, wow, that sounds like a lot of work sounds like a lot of effort, everyone wants to take care of the customer, I'm assuming most people want to, Um, they're a reputable company, but why is it worth kind of taking it to this next level. Do you have any kind of examples? or The
1: gold ring in all of this is the customer's referral, which saves the builder advertising dollars and oftentimes helps to establish trust and a solid, healthy relationship with the new buyer because the previous buyer told him good things. And so he walks in the door already feeling comfortable with the company, and that is worth its weight in gold. So all the effort gets paid off at that point in time. A lot of builders pay attention to service because it's the right thing to do. They have a, an ethical obligation. Some builders pay attention to service because they want to stay out of court. I actually had a builder once tell me, and it wasn't in the state of Colorado, it was another location, but he told me that his lawyer was his customer service department. So he and I didn't work together for yeah. very long. And some builders recognize the business advantages of good service. Most companies use a combination of all of the
0: above sure yeah that makes sense and i think that's an awesome point for everybody listening is you know if you deliver that customer experience that's so impactful um, then yeah it, it can be considered you can almost put some of that time and effort and dollars into your marketing budget or you know think of it that way, think of it, that it, doesn't way. Go, Absolutely. it doesn't go there hey there i hope you're enjoying today's episode just a quick reminder that this show is brought to you by builder funnel We're a digital marketing agency specialized in helping home builders, remodelers, and contractors like yourself grow their businesses. We help you implement marketing and sales technology such as marketing automation and a CRM system, as well as drive more traffic, leads, and sales through strategies like content marketing, SEO, social media, paid traffic, and email marketing. If you want to learn more and see if we're a good fit, just send a quick email to hello at builderfunnel.com and mention the podcast. I'll schedule a one-on-one website and digital marketing assessment with you where I'll take a look at your website, show you some areas where you can improve, and we can see if we're a good fit. If you haven't noticed already, our company is huge on education. We host this podcast, create tons of videos, and create helpful blog posts to educate you guys on marketing and sales. I'll pack a ton of value into the website assessment, and I'll never pressure you to buy from us although we're confident you'll improve your marketing sales efforts by doing so. Again, send me a quick note to hello at builderfunnel.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. What are maybe some common mistakes that you mm-hmm. see, you know, builders making in this arena of customer service when you maybe go on site and you start working with somebody? And
1: Currently, one of the things I'm encountering pretty regularly is a lack of preparation of the customer for the selection process. Mm-hmm. You know, about my first new home in 1981 I got to make four choices I got to pick the carpet the tile whether I wanted almond or white appliances and bath fixtures I don't know why they had to be the same but they did and the really big choice was light fixture package a or b
0: right yeah you
1: can fill out the selection sheet sitting at a red light well nowadays builders offer customers hundreds if not thousands of choices and yet they expect them to make all the decisions in about the same length of time. It just doesn't work well. We can prepare them with some questionnaires, get them to thinking about what pieces of furniture are they going to move, what colors do they like, what things are they going to be doing in their home. they have kids with homework? What are their hobbies? Do they have a pet? Do they have overnight guests? How do they entertain? And when they start thinking about that, they arrive at the selection appointment a little better prepared. Yeah. All of those details help. The other big mistake I see, and I don't know how to make this one go away, is builders do not elevate warranty service to the level it deserves. It is truly where referrals develop. And if we don't pay close attention to warranty, you're leaving money on the table and you're creating customer dissatisfaction that could impact your future.
0: Yeah, and let's let's dive into warranty because I feel like that is – uh, like you said, where the referrals are made, and it's a super important part because it's basically one of the last pieces that somebody will remember you by. Is how did that? <laughs> how did we close this all out? So, um, what's kind of a, a generally a good process to establish there when you get to that stage?
1: It's very simple. It's four steps. Okay. First step is input, where you find out what the customer would like to have fixed. Then you analyze it. Should you fix it? Should a trade contractor fix it? Or is it home maintenance? Next, you respond to the customer with either a repair by yourself or by a trade, or you explain to the customer that this is a maintenance item and you need to take care of it yourself. Here are some hints on how to do that. And then finally, the fourth step is follow-up. You want to document everything, uh, keep it in your file, and track what you're fixing so you can identify recurring items and hopefully make them go away for the future. Yeah. It sounds very simple, but in actual practice, it becomes complicated very quickly.
0: Yeah, I know. I was thinking, wow, gosh, we just solved the problem right there, <laughs> like four steps, you know. Um, so I guess in thinking about those four steps, where do you think most people are falling down and not, you know, not hitting it just right so that it starts I think the
1: problem for most builders is the response and the follow-up. The response is often by trade contractors, and typically it can take them a little bit of time. They may show up, do part of the work, say they're going to come back later and totally forget about it. And the builder doesn't know that has happened until the customer calls and yells. And then the follow-up part of documenting, ensuring everything was brought to closure, can be a real challenge.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine, too, you know, if you're you're a builder, you're thinking, oh, you know, I sold it, we've completed, we've closed, you're kind of, it's behind you, you know, there's Mm -hmm. no revenue associated with the warranty, it's just kind of this thing you're, you know, you need to do, and um, so I would guess that's why there are so many problems in this area, because maybe somebody doesn't want to dedicate a full-time person to it, or different people are managing the request. It's often (laughs)
1: interpreted as a necessary evil, but the, the fact of the matter is, it's really part of your marketing program, it not only takes good care of the customer which is fair and appropriate but it also plants the seed of your future sales every single customer satisfaction survey company who works uh, with home buyers has data and you you can see it in all different forms graphs statistics reports editorial comment about how significant warranty service is for pu- builders future business
0: yeah it's yeah it's amazing and and i think a lot of it has to do with just it's that last touch point. You're, now, you're almost always as good as the last touch point you had as a company. And
1: well, so. it's fresh in the customer's mind and it happens after they paid for the home. They have very little leverage except the threat of a lawsuit or social media attack. And consequently, they feel quite vulnerable and they're relying on the builder's integrity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've kind of talked about a few different areas here. What do you think? you know, are the major milestones and kind of handoff points throughout this process? I know we've talked about warranty, we've talked about closing and selections, uh, but maybe you can just kind of outline those for people as they think about, okay, these are the, the check boxes and milestones I need to make sure I'm paying attention to and maybe, oh, that's when it's gonna change hands to another person within my company.
1: When we move from the salesperson to the design or selection process, that is a critical transition. And we want to make certain we've prepared the customer and that uh, the person that he's going to be working with in the design or selection process knows about that customer. So the handoff of how many children do they have? There's a big difference between a retired couple whose hobby is perhaps going boating And a couple that has four children and raises chinchillas as a hobby. So we need to know about our buyer's personal life. I like to have the buyer fill out a portfolio, um, a little questionnaire, several pages usually. that talks about their hobbies, their favorite activities, their method of entertaining. We can even in today's world ask about if they have any dietary restrictions. One builder I worked with was in the habit of delivering a fruit basket. And it would have cheese and crackers and some fresh fruit in it. And customer called and thanked him for it but said, you know what, I'm on a gluten-free diet. Mm. Well, if we'd known that up front from the, the buyer's profile, we could have made an appropriate adjustment to that. So it's down to that level. Then the transition from design to the actual construction process is important, too. And there, again, we need to let the construction superintendent or their team know who the buyer is, what are their concerns, how many new homes have they purchased in the past, did they have a negative experience, in which case you're gonna have a wild ride. And then from there, of course, we go into the delivery and from that into warranty. So those would be the major components and they all need to be coordinated
0: yeah, I would. I uh, get the feeling that you can't just pick and choose some of these. You know, you gotta, really can't. You got to carry it through all the way. Good
1: intentions aren't going to get you very far. You've got to turn them into practical application.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, really like that you've talked about how, you know, you can really look at this as a marketing initiative, even though it is part of just delivering a good product or a good experience. Um, it's interesting because I've had some internal discussions here and thinking about you know, a typical org chart where you might have, you know, your different, you know, categories or buckets, you've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got IT, you've got finance. In a way, I've been thinking, well, marketing really kind of sits across the top. um, Because it's, it's all part of the experience and the customer experience. And that's kind of what you're talking about is like everything that they're feeling and experiencing is a part of the product. And that in turn is, going to help you get those referrals. Very definitely.
1: There is no detail too minor to pay attention to. And in today's world, we want to be looking at every single thing we can manage and asking ourselves, how can I do this better? How can I make a better impression on my buyer? I use the phrase experience engineering. And I like the term engineering because it brings to mind the level of detail we need to get to and the precision of all the parts fitting together.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I think, you know, for those listening, you know, you kind of talked about a few different pieces like the the manual that's 150 or 200 pages and some of these checklists like the buyer profile. If somebody's just going down this path and saying, "Okay, I'm going to start making a bunch of improvements." Is it best to start at the beginning and just work your way through, or do you like to start at warranty because that's you know a challenging point? Or how do you typically?
1: You really go need at to this? balance all the different parts. And if a builder was just beginning this journey, uh, one of the suggestions I'd make is that he go to my website, and download the homeowner guide, uh, sure. I make it available at no cost. And I'm happy to share that with builders. If they need my help customizing it, that's a different conversation. But I'm happy to provide the base document at, at no cost to the builder. I, it is so critical to their success and also to the happiness and contentment of that buyer.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I've got maybe a couple more questions for you, but I'm curious, have I guess, have we missed anything here that you feel like from all of your experience and working with so many builders, is there anything that you feel like you want to throw out there. One
1: thing we haven't touched on yet is the importance of management walking the talk. They can say, hey, customer satisfaction is our most important goal. But then if they don't behave that way, personnel in the company get very confused. They hear one thing at a meeting and they see their boss behaving a totally different way. So management has got to walk the talk and set the example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's critical. I mean, if people are hearing something but seeing something else, you know, they always say actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I've got one more question for you. But before we get to that, I guess, how can people connect with you or learn more about you and find you online, that sort of thing?
1: We are currently updating my website. As you mentioned, I offer over 50 different classes. I am recording those in one-hour segments. They're going to be available to home builders. Uh, by credit card at 11 o'clock Friday night while I'm sound asleep. Oh, right on. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to having that new product line up and running. And we expect to open that sometime during the month of February. Okay, so great. They can go to my website or they can call me on the phone.
0: Okay, perfect. And we'll make sure we get those in the show notes for anybody that's interested in, in grabbing some of those. And then I guess my last question to you would be, if you could only give one piece of advice to builders uh, kind of on this topic, what would that be?
1: Take a close look at how you're delivering your homes. They need to be move-in ready at the orientation. If I walk into a home during an orientation with the buyer and wipe my hand across the countertop and get a, a handful of dust, that home's not ready, the buyer isn't there to compile the superintendent's final punch list. He's there to learn how to operate the home. And it needs to be clean and presented the way a new car is presented when you go to pick it up.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. And Carol, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Oh, you're so welcome. This This was was great fun. I
1: enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Carol Smith. Before you go, let's talk action items. There were a ton of things to take away, but I'm going to try and boil it down to a few that you can use and start implementing right away. So the first one is Go ahead and download that resource from Carol's website. She said that she had a template that you can just take and use, and that is a no-brainer right there. That'll save you tons and tons of time, so we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes for you. Uh, Number two was looking at that warranty process, and she outlined four steps. So again, we'll go ahead and mark that in the show notes at the the timestamp so you can go back and listen to those four steps that she talked about, and I think if you nail those down, you'll have a really smooth warranty process and hopefully get some more referrals. And then the third one is think about all the handoffs between the different departments. So what are those milestones? And just outline little transition plans so that the next person in your organization that takes that customer has good background on them and they know what's been outlined and what hasn't so they can set good expectations going forward. So hopefully that helps. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.